Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Jonah, chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, How Do I Get Out of This Trap? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for each person who's here today, and I pray that you speak to us from your word. God, let your spirit speak loudly in this place today. Give us ears to hear what it is you want us to know. God, I pray that you'd anoint me to say the things that would honor you. Lord, we thank you for this day that we set aside to recognize our mothers, God, and we pray pray that you would bless women around the world in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I get into uh, this non-traditional, and this is a non-traditional Mother's Day message for me, and I just really felt, felt like God wants us to give Jonah four weeks of attention. There's only four Sundays in this month, so I wrestled back and forth this week. Do I want to preach a traditional Mother's Day sermon, or do I want to continue to put, preach what God has put on my heart to preach? And so I'm staying with that, but I want to say a couple of things about Mother's Day because it's important to honor those to whom honor is due. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, the Bible tells us to honor your father and mother. And then it says this. Listen to this phrase. This is the first commandment with a promise. Of all the commandments God has in Scripture, and you could go to the bookstore, you can go to a Christian bookstore, you can Google online, and there are ill-informed people who have written books titled God's 613 commandments or God's 2,000 promises and there's way more than what they ever put in these books but this one is definitely the first commandment with a promise attached to it this is big say big the next verse right after that in verse 3 says if you honor your father and mother things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth Now, here is something that we all need to do. We ought to show honor to mom and dad. That should come naturally to you. Any common sense ought to cause you to be thankful that you are on this earth and breathing. And you wouldn't be here without a mother and a father unless you were born in a test tube. But that still took a mother and a father. So it should be normal for us to honor our mother and father But God is so serious about this, he attached a commandment to it. And I want us to see that it says, things will go well for you, comma. Always pause on the punctuation. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces so you can digest it and get it down on the inside. Things will go well for you. Here's the deal. If you're ever in a state in your life where things are not going well for you, you need to check your honor-o-meter. You need to check your mom-o-meter. You need to check your father-o-meter. Now, 
it, it's just, you know, it is what it is in this country. So many people, and, and people make a big to-do about the African-American community saying that 75% of people in the African-American community are raised without fathers. I'm a white person that was raised without a father, and I know lots of white people that were raised without fathers, and that's what's wrong with this country. Mm. We don't want to be honest. I, I, I promise you, I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of studying. And you can look and try to pinpoint the, the ills of our society on many different factors. But I don't see any one common denominator more so in troubled people than the fact they didn't have a father in the home helping mom do all she could do. Because if mom has to be mom and dad, that's too much. I was raised by a single mother predominantly. I had a stepfather for a while, but I have always felt a compassion on single mothers, not only growing up in a family with a single mother, but being in ministry and seeing the, the difficult. Listen, it's hard if mom and dad are home to get these kids to turn out right. And, and with, the, with the deep compassion I always had for single mothers, I never thought I would be a single father much less did I think I would be a pastor on Mother's Day with my mom getting married in her 70s and living in the panhandle and the mother of my children dying in her 30s and leaving me as a single parent. So he, here's the deal. What, I'm, I'm going to say this about Mother's Day, then we're going to move on. Every holiday, and I shared this with the staff this morning before we prayed, every holiday has the potential to create celebration and heartbreak celebration and heartbreak because for every person celebrating there's a certain amount of people who are brokenhearted over the fact that that reminds them of some tragic event in their life somebody probably lost a mother around this time or any time of the year if you lose a mom when mother's day comes that stabs you and as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we ought to be mindful of the pain that other people are going through. I saw lots of memes this weekend on social media. And listen, I, I don't know why it is. When I was growing up, I used to mock my mom and my sister for crying. They'd cry, you know, boy in a bubble. They'd be crying, to, you know, the guy, uh, John Travolta in a bubble. They'd be crying because he's supposed to have leukemia and dying. And I'd tell them, Dad, it's not real. That's a TV show. That's, that's John Travolta from Welcome Back, Cotter. He doesn't have leukemia. This, this is a movie. And they'd just be sobbing, and I'd be like, oh, man, come on. But then something fantastic happened to me. I got saved, and God took out my heart of stone and gave me a heart of flesh. And, and now I, I, I weep more than I ever thought I would, but looking at some of these memes, uh, they, they were poignant and powerful hit home with me I, I saw one that says if if you have a mother call her and tell her you love her I wish I could call mine and a lot of us don't still have mom around a lot of kids don't have mom around a lot of adults don't have mom around because the reality is if we live long enough we will see our parents transition out of this phase to the next and I want you to know that's the natural order and that's what mom and dad want. I watched my mom lose her youngest child. My little brother died in 2001 on Christmas Eve. My son's first Christmas happened on the day that my only brother died. And so I understand how tragedy can connect to 
big days. And, and I want to say, Mother's Day, in my mindset, it's not just about women who have had children. There was a time when Gail was trying to get pregnant, and we were doing everything we could. We went so far as to go through artificial insemination in vitro fertilization and none of that was working and they they told us that we probably would never have children and we were around people who were having children and that can be hard on, 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 a, on a woman who desperately longs to be a mother there are some people I can remember Amber when she was a teenager uh, her family was uh, one of the original families that we started this church with and she did a lot of babysitting she was actually a full-time nanny for my kids when Gail was sick and she swore she never wanted to have her own kids, but if you see Amber now and her beautiful daughter, Charlotte, you realize she's glad to be a mom. See, some women aren't moms yet, but they're looking forward to it. Some of you young girls, you're not even sure if you want to have kids. Let me say this to you. You do. You do. It, it is a great thing that you can do, but there are women who want to have kids like Gail was for a time that it just wasn't, wasn't happening for them. But I want to say to every woman who is a mother, every woman who wants to be a mother in the future, and every woman who feels like she missed her opportunity to be a mom in this life. The role of woman is significant, and we celebrate you for your contribution to the kingdom of God. My mom helped prepare me for Christianity because my mom didn't play games. And I, I hope that you're more concerned with raising your children than being their buddy. This is something that society has lost in this generation. I've counseled too many women who come in crying and, my, my little girl's upset with me and we've always been best friends. You are not called to be that little girl's best friend. Listen, I believe this. Disagree if you want to. I believe that if you really parent your child, at some point they're going to hate your guts. They're going to be mad at you. They're going to cuss at you. They're going to tell their children how horrible you are. I, I can remember looking back on my childhood. I had that same stupidity, and, and I, I thought, you just don't want me to have any fun. It, it's not, they're trying to keep you alive. They, there's a reason they're telling you stop hanging out with Ray Ray Pookie and them. They ain't no good for you. They just don't like my friends. Nobody likes your friends. This, God didn't call us to be best friends with our children. He calls us to raise them. Raising children is a lot of work. It's exhausting. Letting kids raise themselves, oh, that's easy. They got TV, they got video games, they got all that. They, they just, you know, get by. But the Bible says children left to themselves will bring their parents to shame. You don't want that but my mom my mom was she was about it she was she was she was in it with both feet and she gave me the best answer to any question I believe that a parent can give a child my mom said because I said so almost every day of her life because I was hard-headed and it took a lot of hearing it and if you need more of a reason from your parent than because I said so hear me good you're not a good child. You need to up your child game and quit complaining about your parents. And here's the reality. At 54, I'll be 55 in a couple of months. At 54 and plus, it is still God's commandment for me to do what my mother tells me to do. 
We've messed up children by telling them as long as you live. Well, y'all have. I've never said this to mine. But the people say, as long as you live in my house, you'll obey my rules. No, as long as you live on this planet, you have to obey mom and daddy's rules. I can't wait till I get 18 years old so I can grow up and have my way. Why ain't you just rebellious and ignorant? That's ignorant. That's beyond ignorant. That's ignorant. Ignorant. Flat out, broke down, stupid. Honor your mother and father. You have a promise for that. People wondering why life's not going right for them. Well, you can start right here. We've never had the, the high, a higher rate of teen suicide than we have right now. That was true five years ago and ten years ago and about 20 years ago when these statistics started to soar. One of the reasons why we, we've got kids shooting other kids is because they're not honoring mom and dad at home. You know, it's, it's easy for uh, the, the nation to get in an uproar when somebody gets shot by a police officer and people want to go bash on police officer. That happens uh, about 16 to 30 times a year. But every day in the city of Chicago, six people get killed by a gun. Every day. 42 and a half people every week. And here's the thing. I can name off a list of names. You know, they're, they're, they're the popular names in, 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 a, in a group that wants to continue to promote these names. And I'm not saying to forget anybody's names who's, who's been uh, killed wrongfully. But what I am saying is do you know the name of the four-year-old girl that got shot in Chicago last week? Oh, no, we don't, we don't, we don't do that. We, we don't worry about that. But the majority of these deaths that are happening are happening young people killing young people. Why is that? Oh, well, Pastor, we just need to take the guns away. We just take everybody's gun away from them and uh, just get everyone to turn their gun in, and then society will be safe. Well, can you get everybody to turn their weed in? Can you get the crack addict to say, oh, it's against the law now. Here's my crack. Criminals don't obey the law. We're like, well, we get all the guns to turn in. Hey, Ray Ray ain't giving up his gun. It ain't his anyway. He stole it. He don't even have to confess it. He got six of them in the truck and a nine in the glove box. Well, if we could just, <laughs> what we need to do is train children right. Man, it's easier to raise kids right than it is to incarcerate them for a lifetime. And I want you to be a parent that raises your children right. I want you to learn how to say, because I said so, to your children. They, they, see, that's preparing them for life. Because I can promise you this, if you dare, well, they might be different now, Sergeant Major Army probably got just as soft as everybody else. But if you dare, when I was in the Army, you weren't allowed to question anything. We, we had that, ours is not the reason why, ours is but to do or die. He, he said, don't move. you still standing there at 4 o'clock in the morning after everybody left because he said, don't move. Okay, so there's a good preparation for people who don't have to ask why. Uh, if It helps you in the kingdom. A lot of people are always questioning, well, why does God want us to do this? Why does God want us to do that? You obviously were not raised by a hard-charging parent. You weren't raised by a parent. We, we've watched a video many years. I wasn't going to show it because I'm not preaching a traditional 
Mother's Day message this morning, but I want us to look at this two-minute video again. I think it's about two minutes uh, because this is the thing that many of us can relate to that our mom told us. And this is the thing, if you're a mom, that you ought to be telling your kids. So here's what I want you to do. As we look at this video, if you hear something that your mom said to you, I want you to smile in a way of honoring your mom. If you hear something that you know you need to be saying to your children, I want you to smile as a way of honoring God who is letting you learn something. And if you see a, a, and hear something that you know to be right, I want you to thank God that you're not ignorant. Let's see the video. Get up now, get up now, get up out of bed. Wash your face, brush teeth, call CP head. Here's your clothes and your shoes. Hear the words I said. Get up now. Get up and make your bed. Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you wearing that? Wash your books and your lunch and your homework. And grab your coat and your gloves and your scarf and hat. Don't forget, you gotta feed the cat. Each breakfast the experts tell us it's the most important meal of all. Take vitamins so you will grow up one day too, baby. And tall. please remember the orthodontist will be seeing you at three today. Don't forget your piano lesson is this afternoon, so you must play. Don't shovel too slowly, but hurry. The bus is here. Be careful. Come back here. Didn't you wash behind your ears? Play outside. Don't play rough. Would you just play fair? Be polite. Make a friend. Don't forget to share. Working out. Wait your turn. Never take a dead day long. Don't make me come down there. Clean your roof. Watch your clothes. Put your stuff away. Make your bed. Do it now. Do we have all day? Were you born in a barn? Would you like some hay? Can you eat? Can you hear a word I say? things in your lifetime from your mother and I hope you will tell your kids my kids know the only reason they need is because I said so that helps prepare us for God's kingdom we're reading the book of Jonah this month and Jonah didn't understand 
that God was serious about some things when he said so. So let's go back into the word this morning in the book of Jonah and let's learn what God would have us to learn. Last week we started in chapter 1 with a sermon titled, You Can Run But You Can't Hide. And we saw that God had a plan for Jonah's life. One of the things I tell you repeatedly is that the scripture tells us we have these stories for our examples. When you read the Bible, you ought to be looking for a way to apply the story that you're reading to your own life. And we definitely want to do that with Jonah and realize if God had a plan for Jonah's life, guess what God has for you? A plan. God told Jonah to do some things. He said, get up, go to Nineveh and tell them to repent. But as I told you last week, Jonah didn't like the plan, so he ran. I've heard so many people use this phrase that they were running from God or their children were running from God. I've told you God's going to outrun you because he's already there. Could you imagine? I mean, we used to do it as kids. We'd line up side by side and we would race. But what if when you started the race, you're, the person that you were running against was beside you and already at the finish line? There's no need to run that race. They're already there. You hadn't even come up out of your stance yet. And God is already there. And Jonah, it gives us a good example of hard-headedness. Jonah gives us a good example of real human nature. He gives us a real example of us. And we saw throughout, God, uh, throughout history, God's been telling people the same thing he told Jonah, get up. You need to get up. You need to get up from whatever has being holding you back you need to understand God's got a plan for your life he's got something for you to do or you wouldn't still be here God has a plan for this church God has a plan for each one of us inside this church and we need to be busy finding that out because until you attach to a higher purpose your life won't have meaning it may you may find some meaning here and there but if you realize that there's a bigger picture and you get attached to that, then life will take on a bigger purpose. If you realize you're part of something that is bigger and will outlive you, then life takes on a bigger meaning. But God told Jonah in chapter 1 to go to Nineveh, and he didn't want to do that. See, Jonah was like so many of us today. He wanted to serve God as long as it was comfortable. He wanted to serve God to a certain point, but some things were just off the table for him. And he, we saw that he was one of those, I'll go this far, but I won't go further. I'll give this much, but I won't give more. I'll do this, but I won't do that. That's not Christianity. That's selfishness. And we need to be always examining. The Bible says to examine yourselves. We need to always be examining, God, am I really willing to go as far as you want me to go? Am I willing to love as much as you want me to love? Am I willing to give as much as you want me to give? Am I willing to be used as much as you want to use me? So we saw some things in in Jonah chapter 1. We saw you can run, but you can't hide. We saw that uh, through the tragedy of Jonah's sin, that sin costs you more than you want to pay. We, We saw also that it's not just your life you're messing up. It's other people too. And then we saw that when you run from God, uh, you end up going to the world. And the world eventually gets tired of you and throws you out. So I closed last week's sermon by saying, why go through the hassle? Let's just get up and do what the Lord says. But here's the reality. Just like our biological children, spiritual children need to be told more than once. Wouldn't it be great if every time you ever told your child something, that was locked in? I mean, if you just told them, brush your teeth before you go to bed, and you didn't ever have to come back and say, hey, did you brush your teeth? No. Get up and go. If you could just tell one time, make the best grades that your brain is capable of, then you'd never have to see a C on a report card because all of our children can make A's and B's in a public school system. 
that, that, that's, that's just, we, we should expect certain things. But we can't just tell them one time. And so God continues to remind us because it would be great if we just always followed the Lord because he said so and we never got in trouble. But how many of y'all know we backslide? Rest of y'all lying. Uh, there, there's a group of people out there with bad theology that believe that backsliders uh, become unsaved. But I thank God that in his holy word, he said he's married to the backslider. The covenant that we have with God, he said in his word, is held together on the greater part. When you let go of his hand, he's still holding your hand. Now, he might decide to hold it like my mom held it. My mom played ring around the roses with my behind. Because she would hold me by my wrist and just beat me around in circles from the top of my head down to my ankles. Uh, Listen, if you run away from your mom's whipping, I hope she kicks your door in and whoops you twice. And then a third time just to get her stress out. That's half of a joke. You don't whip people to get your stress out, but some of y'all need to be whipped again. It's like I have some parents come and tell me on baptism or some spouses come and tell me on baptism day, hey, could you hold that one down a little long? They, they probably need a double dunk. They, they probably hold them down till they, they squirm. Listen, we need to learn early rather than late. If you learn lessons in life early, things will go better for you, but... We are so much like Jonah, and we have this story for our example that this morning I want to see that when, when you do wrong, when you end up in a mess, when you find yourself in a trap, we got to figure out how do we get out of this trap. And I'm going to be speaking to three different types of people this morning, and I want you to find yourself. You're going to be a one, two, or a three this morning. Some of y'all are like, I'm a one. I don't mean how many dollars do you have in your bank. <laughs> That's funny to me. I, I, I mean, according to this sermon, you don't even know if one's the good thing or the bad thing yet. I'll give you a hint. It's a bad thing. Well, I'm going to look at uh, one. First group of people are belly dwellers. The second group are friends and family of belly dwellers. And the third group are people who already understand what's going on. And we'll get to them in a minute. But let's look at that first group, belly dwellers. All right. In verse 1 of chapter 2. The Bible says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. So Jonah is where right now? Somebody tell me. Jonah's inside the fish. We have these stories for our examples. Now, I don't suspect that anyone in this room is currently inside a fish because I don't see a fish. All right? But I do suspect that there are people in this room who are inside a trap. There, you are inside a trap. We've been talking about spiritual warfare. We've been talking about the armor of God on Wednesday night Bible study. And we, we've been realizing that the Bible tells us that our adversary has a strategy. And the devil knows what traps that you're more prone to fall in. We all have different triggers. We all have different issues. And, and we all fall into different traps. There's just some things that aren't going to trap me some things that just don't don't even draw my attention but they, your downfall is is not my downfall certain things that you struggle with might be different from the things I struggle with but every time we disobey God we end up stuck somewhere we end up in a trap somewhere we end up in bondage somewhere we end up in a place that God doesn't want us to be and Jonah is inside this fish. So Jonah represents this first group of 
belly dwellers. But I want you to look at verse 1, and if you've been around for any length of time, you know that's one of my favorite words in the Bible, the word then. When I see the word then, I, I realize that it, it, it's a change. It's, it's something's about to happen because then happens when. Then always happens after. After something happened. Well, what's happened to Jonah? Well, he's in a mess. What happened to Jonah? He didn't do what God told him to do. And life went bad for him. I can save you some money in your counseling visits. You don't have to keep going to therapy every Tuesday to hope they'll tell you what's wrong with your life and why you can't get any traction in life. If you're living shabby, then you need to have a then moment. Because if you're living shabby, you're already having a negative then moment because sin is always followed by judgment. Sin is always followed by judgment. The Bible says sin has a price and that price has to be paid. So Jonah runs from God, and he gets caught inside this fish's belly. And in verse 17 of chapter 1, right before verse 1 of chapter 2, it says Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then the very next verse, chapter 2, verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed, after three days. How? We want to talk about ignorant. How in the world? Do you know how it must have smelled inside a fish's belly? Do you know how painful it must have been inside that fish's belly? How, how weird it must have felt to be in there? But did he get right as soon as he was in there? Nope. In the first hour? Nope. In the fifth hour? Nope. Late in the midnight hour? Nope. Three days and three nights. This person, our example for today that God has given us, had just totally lost his mind. Why in the world would you stay in that condition for so long? Some of y'all are like, I wouldn't have stayed in that fish's belly for so long. You're staying stuck in your situation for how long? Some of y'all been battling your addiction for how long? Some of y'all been dealing with some struggles for how long? We do not need to be the dumb children. Most families have one, you know, and, and the person that don't know who it is, it's them. But that's just how it goes. But how dumb can he be? I, I'm, I'm going to give you something that's going to rhyme. How dumb can he be? He's as dumb as we. We do the same thing. We say we wouldn't, but we do. It's like I told you all about Judas. We look at Judas as awful. Oh, Judas a traitor. Judas a betrayer. Judas held the money back. He is a thief. Judas turned on Jesus. Judas sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Like I told you before, at least he got paid. We sell Jesus out for nothing. And then we get chastised by God, and we stay in that chastisement. I had a trick. I thought it was a trick because kids think they're smarter than their parents when they're not. I, whenever I'd get in trouble, and I got in trouble a lot as an unsaved child, and that's why I don't give my children any play. They're like, well, Dad, when you were a kid, I wasn't saved. I didn't have a father that loved me. That don't run in my house. But I was unsaved, and I thought I had a little scheme working on my mom. Because whenever she'd have to pick me up from school because I'd got, uh, you know, thrown out of school again, or whenever she had to come pick me up from jail because I'd got in jail again, I told y'all the last time I went to jail, she wouldn't come get me. That was an eye-opener. Maybe some of y'all ought to let y'all's relatives have an eye-opener. But I'd be on that ride home. Anybody ever been on that uncomfortable ride home with a parental figure? Anybody ever known? Whoa. 
As soon as we get out of this car, it's going to be on and slamming. And so my trick was I tried to engage my mother in conversation. It was a weak trick because I didn't talk to my mom that much to begin with. I was just a rebellious teenager. But I thought if I can get her talking, maybe, I, maybe she'll forget she's going to beat me senseless. It never worked. I didn't understand why it never worked until my senior year in high school. Uh, they, I got suspended again, and because I'd been suspended so much, they talked to her that day about expelling me uh, from the public school system. And so I, I knew it was deep, and I thought I'd run my trick. But she finally outed herself and let me know why this trick never worked. She looked at me driving down the road and said, Boy, it does not matter how much you talk to me on this drive. I'm beating you when we get home. Well, good to know. I ain't got to talk to you no more. I was blessed, though, today. See, now that I'm saved and now that I'm in my right mind, I realize how valuable my mother is. And I was blessed to be able to call my mother this morning and, and tell her how much I love her. And, but back then, it was like, okay, well, my trick's been outed. But if you've ever been on that drive home or if you've ever had to, you know, when your father gets, if you've ever been waiting on that experience and the door slams and, oh, here it comes, here it comes. See, Jonah is, is, is in, in the middle of his mess, but he stayed in it for three days and three nights. If you don't hear anything else I say today, get out of your stuff before it's too late. Get out of your stuff before the sun goes down. Quit living in a mess because you can get out. Belly dwelling is the worst place to be. But verse 1 says, then, then is after, after Jonah spends a long time in the stank zone. Oh, if I had my stankometer, I'd start with Miss Nixa. I'd put it on her head, just read stank, no stank, stank, no stank. And when I got to you, now I'm not talking about person, I'm talking about your life. When I put my stankometer on you, how much is your life stinking right now? See, some of y'all, if you be honest, you know you're not doing the things God wants you to do. I'm glad that you come to church, but there's more to it than coming to church. I'm glad that you're respectful and kind and, and don't come to church out of your mind and naked. Well, that's, I heard preachers say all the time, I'm clothed in my right mind. So I guess the opposite of that is, you know, just come to church naked and crazy. I'm glad you come to church, sit up, be respectful. Most of y'all stay awake. But there's more to it than that. There's more to it. And, and Jonah prays because he's in the belly. He finally prays. He's been spending three days and three nights. What do you do when you're living in Stankville? You just add to the stink. You just keep doing the wrong thing. You just don't do what you need to do to get out. I want to tell some of y'all today, hurry up and get out. It was three days and three nights for Jonah. Some of y'all been years. Hurry up and get out. It was three days and three nights for Jonah. Some of y'all been waiting longer than that. Hurry up and get out. Some of y'all are just now getting into it. Hurry up and get out of it. See, the lie of the devil is procrastination. He wants you to believe that, well, once school is out, I'll get my mind right. Once such and such happens, then I'm going to really lock in. Once I get past this next hurdle, then I'll be the man, the woman that God wants me to be. But that's always a lie, and then you end up with days and days of fish stank on you. That's where Jonah is, and he finally prays from inside the fish. Now, I want you to know, in chapter 1, there's a lot of praying going on. In verse 5, the sailors prayed to false gods. In verse 6, the shipmaster prayed. Prayed and told Jonah to pray, but he didn't. 
How you like that? A lost person telling you, you need to be praying right now because your situation is bad, and, and you don't. Listen, God will use anybody to get your attention. God will speak through children. God will speak through unsaved people. God will speak through middle-aged, old people, young people, people in the middle, single people, cats, dogs, muppets. God will use anything to get your attention. But if you're not listening, then you are going to be a belly dweller. See, here's the thing about Christians. We don't live perfect lives. I wish we did. I wish I had never sinned since the day I got saved. I've made lots of mistakes. I've been in lots of sins since I got saved. I'm not saying it because I'm proud of it. I'm ashamed of it. But the reality is we fall down. We fall down, and we have to learn some lessons the hard way. But when you fall down, you need to get up quicker than everybody else does. You, you need to get out of that bad situation. You, you need to do the thing that God is waiting on you to do. Some of y'all know God's waiting on you to do something, and you're like, I ain't doing it. You will do it, or you'll live in Stankville forever. God told Jonah what to do. He said, I ain't doing it, and Jonah found himself in Stankville. His life was stinking. See, as Christians, we don't dive into sin. No Christian wants to dive headlong. I just think, uh, well, hallelujah, glory to God, praise the Lord, church is over. I think I'm going to go on a nine-month bender of crack addiction. Nobody walks out of the presence of the Lord and, and thinks that way. Christians don't dive into sin. The way we, the Bible tells us the way we get into sin is we trip. We trip over snares that the devil sets for us. We, we get caught off guard and we fall down. We don't intend to do it. It happens. We step in a trap and then we end up in a place that God doesn't want us to be. Now, if I don't know if you've ever seen a bear trap. One of my kids told me one of their teachers brought a real-life bear trap to school and set it off. I'm thinking, that, uh, that could have went bad. Some kid could have got something caught in that, and that wouldn't have been any good. But think about it with me this morning. If I had a bear trap in here, and uh, I dare stepped in it, and, and she's, a, she's a nurse. And she would know what to do once she got that leg out of the trap, but if she's like, eh, yeah, I think I'm just hold on to that for a minute. It hurts. Yeah, I'm bleeding, but eh, it's there. I'll just, I'll just stay stuck with this for a while. We would know to pray for Elder Keon's family because they're going off the reservation. They're, they're losing their, their – you don't want to stay with a trap on you. But spiritually, I see people do it all the time. I see people who are stuck in traps of the devil, and they won't do what they need to do. Jonah's got people praying all around him. But he's not praying until chapter 2. See, here's the thing about belly dwellers. And some of y'all are in group 1. Group 1's belly dwellers. You, you, you did something wrong, and you're stuck away from God's blessing. You're stuck in Stankville, and you're, you're not doing what you need to do to get out. One day you're going to come out, but you're stubborn. One day you're going to come out, but you're being ignorant right now. One day you're going to come out, but maybe you're ashamed of what you've done and don't want to face it, so you're living in denial. Eventually, you're going to have to deal with it. Burying your head in the sand like an ostrich only works for so long because either somebody come along and shoot you that you don't see coming or you choke to death on the sand, but that's not a good strategy. Some of y'all are in the belly, and you haven't come out. Let me give you one good hint to know that you're in the belly. If people are praying for you, more than you're praying for yourself, you're a belly dweller. If there's anybody on the planet praying for you more than you're praying for yourself, 
you are stuck in Stankville, and you need to change. Say change. These are people that are surrounded by people praying for them. Listen, God is not going to delay his judgment forever. The way that God is going to help you is when you do what Jonah did. We have this for example. You've got to do what Jonah did. What, what did Jonah do? Well, he waited for a long time. Don't do that. See, we have these examples to do the right stuff, to get the right result, and not to do the wrong stuff so we don't get the wrong result. The wrong thing was to stay there for so long, but now he finally prays. But here's the deal. He's just like us and some of our children. He waits until it gets horrible. Listen, let me give you a hint, kids. If you see your grades sliding, if, if you used to have an A in English and now you got a B, you need to tighten up. Don't wait till you get a C because then that's a D. And then that's an F and you're living on the street. And there ain't enough room for you out there. You, you need to live in mom and dad's house. But so many times people wait until it gets to the worst spot. That's those hard-headed people. And there's some people like that in the room. I used to be people like that. Or I wasn't people, but I was a person like that. Sometimes I feel like people. But I want you to really be honest with yourself today. Are you stubborn? Are you stubborn when you're wrong? Are you stubborn in your sin? Do you, do you live in the stink for long periods of time because you just refuse to do what's right? If you're saved at all, eventually you're going to yield to God. You, you may be one of those ones that have to be beat senseless. You may be one of those ones that have to be broke all the way down. But it makes a lot more sense to get out of the stink as quick as you can. Everything's bad for Jonah. He finally prays. And that's the key for the belly dweller. Break down and pray. If life's not how you want it to be right now, you need to be praying about it. If there are more people praying for you than you're praying for yourself, you need to change that. Because the Bible says that God will not be mocked. That you're going to reap what you sow. Reaping is the harvest, sowing is the planting. Whatever you plant in this life, you're going you're gonna to get back in this life. If, if you're nice to people, nice is going to come back to you. If you're hateful, hateful is going to come back to you. If you go out and do sin, the Bible says if you sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. Well, I'm just doing a little bit wrong. Well, that's not how God's going to repay you for your little bit wrong. You do, you do a little bit of stuff, God's going to send a hurricane your way. This is how the Father, and, and that's his love because he said whom he loves, he chastens. Some, some of y'all I know, if you'd be honest, you'd be like, I wish he loved me less. Because you had all the chasing and you think you can stand. Well, there's a remedy for chastisement, and it's not that our Father will stop chastising us. It's that we wake up and do something different. It's that we break down and go to God in prayer. The key for the belly dweller, the group one folk, the key to getting out of the trap that you're in is to finally open up to God in prayer. I wouldn't even want to know because it, 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 it would be hurtful to, to me to find out if I could really find out how much time everybody in this room has spent in prayer this week, honestly, I don't want to know. I don't want to know because I know there are people in this room that, that really love the Lord. But if they had to go ahead and put a clock on it, if your prayer clock got punched like chess, you know, you play chess when it's your move, click, you wait, you, I'm done, click. If you had a click watch on your prayer, how much time do you really spend in prayer? How much time do you spend praying for yourself? 
See, that's a thing that some people don't do that they need to do. Some people are like, oh, Pastor, I, that'd be selfish. I only pray for other people. Well, the Bible says Jabez prayed for himself, and God called that honorable. So you need to be praying for yourself more than anyone else. That's how you stop being in that first group. In verse 2, he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called you from the land of the dead, and, Lord, you heard me, exclamation point. Pay attention to the punctuation. It will help you get the context of what's being said. So here's Jonah. He, he was a great prophet. He had, he had done great things for God in his life. God asked him to do something he wasn't down with. He ran. God's got him swallowed up inside of a fish. And he says, I cried to the Lord in my great trouble. See, some people have to get to the bottom before they cry out. It doesn't matter to me how long you've been in Stankville. What matters to me is that you wake up and cry out to God. Because what God does for one, he'll do for others because he's no respecter of persons. And if Jonah could cry out to God in great trouble and God answer him, then we can do the same thing. He said, I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. And he put an exclamation point because that's good news. I've got some good news for you this morning. It doesn't matter how low you find yourself in life. If you ever are willing to look toward heaven and raise your voice to God, he will hear you and he will answer you because that's the God we serve. Verse 3, he said, you threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Now, if you know me at all, and you've been around for a long time, you probably know what I'm going to say about this right now, this first phrase. We read between the punctuation, you threw me into the ocean depths. If you have good theology, you ought to know what, what's coming next. Who does Jonah say threw him into the ocean depths? Who do the TV pre preachers say all hardship comes from? The devil. Uh, Pastor, the devil messing with my finances. Do you tithe? No, the devil's got nothing to do with that. Pastor, the devil messing with my marriage. Do you love her like Christ loved the church? No, well, then it's got nothing to do with the devil. Pastor, God's messing with my children's grades in school. Do you do homework with your children? No. Well, the devil has nothing to do with it. We need to understand that the devil is not all powerful, but God is. See, Jonah understood God. He knew God, and he knew. He, he could have said like TV preachers, oh, the devil, the devil done throw me in the ocean. I'm going through a storm. The devil got me in a storm. No, God had Jonah in a storm because Jonah needed to be in a storm. Same reason good parents whip their children because they need to be whipped. It's the truth. He said, you threw me into the, de into the ocean depth. I want you to start putting God in your mind more than Flip Wilson had the devil in his mind. I want you to understand that God is the one who is always in control. And even if the devil does something, he can't do anything without God's permission. And he can't do anything that God doesn't set parameters on. Jonah said, you threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. Listen, when God throws you in the ocean, you sink. I don't know about y'all. I sink pretty good. I, I sink pretty good. I can remember when we lived in the big house on the lake, uh, it, it was the craziest thing I had ever seen. I don't know if she can still do it, and I, I saw James. I didn't see Amber. She must be it's teaching somewhere. But Amber, you know, some of y'all, anybody here can tread water? Stay above, just stay in one place and just tread, tread water? Good. She could just do this. And from here up, she was out of the water. 
I'm like, you don't, she can't sing. All right, well, other than Amber Gillard, every one of us can probably sing. And if God, throw, if God threw Amber in, she'd sing too. Because God knows how to get people's attention. Jonah says, you, you threw me in, and I sank down. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath the devil's wild, no, beneath God's wild and stormy wave. Do you really want God to send a wave your way? Do you really want God to throw you in the ocean? Listen, our God is looking to bless us. He said, I give you a choice to bless you if you'll just be obedient to me or to chastise you if you won't be obedient to me. In verse 4, then I said, then, here's his after spot, took him all the way to the bottom of the ocean. Oh, Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. Man, that is so deep, that is so profound, that is so all-encouraging to me that no matter where you find yourself, you can look one more time toward God. You can look one. See, that's why some people say that God is the God of a second chance, but we know that God is the God of another chance. Not just two, not just three, not just 3,000, but every time you're willing to look toward God and pray to him, he's willing to listen. See, some of y'all don't take so-and-so's phone call anymore, and so-and-so don't take your phone call either. But I got great news for you this morning. Anytime you call God in sincerity, he's willing to accept. Jonah says, I, I, I look one more time toward your holy temple. That's the answer for belly dwellers. That's what needs to happen when you're in a trap that you're ready to get out of. You, you got to go to God. He, he says in verse 5, I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. Now, this dude has got some trouble here. I mean, I, I think pe people differ on this. Some people think that this is metaphorical. This is not metaphorical. Jesus spoke about this in the New Testament as a real-life event. People say, well, how did Jonah survive inside a fish? Well, realize what the Scripture says. With man, these things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. If God wants you to live in a fish for three days and three nights, he'll figure out a way. I don't want that way. But metaphorically, I don't want the strain I put myself through by getting in traps that were set for me. He's not just in a fish. He's at the bottom of the ocean, under the waves, waters over him. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. He's in a bad place. Verse 6 says, I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. If you look at what Jonah is saying here, you, you begin to get a very clear picture of how bad things are. Now, we may not be in the bottom of the ocean where the roots of the mountains are. We may not be literally imprisoned un under a flood. But there's too many people who are really saved that are living substandard life. Too many people that are truly born again. But because of your unwillingness to obey God in every area, you got some seaweed on your head. Oh, if I had my seaweed o meter, I, I would just put it on you and find out. Some of y'all, now do you realize if you have seaweed on your head, you're in trouble. If you're down on the bottom and the gates locked shut, you are in trouble. He can't see right. He can't hear right. He can't talk right. He can stay where he is or he can pray to God. 
See, because you don't even have to open your mouth to pray to God. God can hear the thoughts inside your head. And, and Jonah's starting to realize, hey, this is not getting better. It's getting worse. I got a question for you this morning. How much worse does your situation need to be before you give God what he's asking for? <clears throat> How much lower does life have to get for you before you give God what he's asking for? Verse 7 says, as my life was slipping away. Well, now we know how, how long Jonah was willing to take this. See, my, my, me and the boys, we watch a lot of <coughs> professional wrestling and a lot of MMA, UFC stuff, and, you know, they'll put chokeholds on each other and uh, do that whole thing. If you watch any of those sports, <coughs> you know if somebody gets you in a certain hold, you need to what? Tap out. Tap out before they choke you to death. Tap out before they snap your arm off at the elbow. Tap out if they got you in that whole heel hook and they're about to twist your ankle just tap out it took Jonah almost dying his life was slipping away before he tapped out so my question to you this morning how much more are you willing to take before you tap out because one of two things are going to happen you're going to die or you're going to tap out you're going to die or you're going to turn your voice to the Lord and Jonah realized it's not getting any better. And my promise to you today is if you're a believer and you're not doing everything God called you to do and you're not praying for yourself more than others are praying for you, that you are going to find yourself in a situation where you're either going to die or you're going to have to look to God. Don't let it take you that long to look to God. Verse 8, he says, Those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercies. He comes out of all this stuff, and then he throws verse 8 in here, and he brings up this issue of false gods. People who worship false gods are ones who are turning their back on all of the true God's mercy. See, a lot of people don't believe that what they're doing is idol worship. A lot of, I don't know anybody in America that has totem poles in their house, and they're praying to false gods by name. But the Bible says what, what you offer to anything other than God, you're offering it to the devil. And, and Jonah realizes there's nothing that I can do here unless I go to the true God. He heard those other people crying out to false gods. It didn't work. He heard those other people cry, crying out for help. It didn't work because the only one who can save you from a horrible situation is the true God. I hope you have the true God in your life. <clears throat> Listen to verse 9. This, we're going to look at the second group, family and friends of belly dwellers. He said, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill my vows for my salvation. Now, the second group is people who have been in the belly and know how bad it is. The second group <coughs> is friends and family, people who are still in the belly, and they know how to get out. Some of y'all have friends. Some of y'all have family that's rebellious right now. Straying from God. Not do. You need to listen to this part so you can know when you see them how you can help them. In 2 Chronicles 20, 21, the Bible says that Jehoshaphat appointed singers to praise the Lord in front of the army before the battle. Singers went out in front before the battle. Before the battle was fought, <coughs> before the battle could be won or lost, God said put the praise out in front. You want to help somebody get out of their mess, you need to turn your praise up. 
Some of y'all have a spouse that's wayward that you want to see fall in love with God. You need to turn your praise up. Some of y'all have children that are starting to go twisted. You need to turn your, see, the trick of the devil is to get you to nag them about them. The trick of the devil is to encompass you in religion so all you are is bitter and tired. But the reality, the only way we can truly get our friends and family out from a bad situation is if we lead with praise. Praise is a foreign concept to many people. A lot of people, I know people who have a quiet time every day. They read their Bible uh, and, and they spend time praying to God, but they don't spend any time singing to God. They don't spend any time loving on God. I want you to know whether it's a, a fish in the ocean, a, an addiction in 2018, a bad relationship right now, whatever the struggle is, praise needs to go in front of it. Now, now, it makes me think about that one verse in the song, don't wait till the party's over, shout now. It, you, you can't, you've got to understand if you want to see better, you've got to think better. If you want to see better for someone else, you've got to participate in their process, and you've got to put some praise out in front. You've got to stand in the gap. The Bible says that we can stand between judgment and mercy and pray for each other. I know there are people in this room that are praying for wayward children because I'm praying with you. I also know there are people in this room that used to pray for their kids, and they've given up. There are people in this room that prayed for relationships because they were bad and you've given up because you didn't see immediate results. I want you to know God might not come when you want him to, but he still is always on time. God has a purpose for everything, and you need to praise God in advance. Say in advance. You need to get this in your mind. You need to be praising God in advance. For everything you're believing for, you need for every struggle you have, for every battle there is, for every victory you're expecting, you need to thank God, you need to praise God in advance for what it is you are believing for Him to do. Because Jonah gets a different then in verse 10. In Jonah 2.10, the Bible says, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Man, that's, that's gross. If you think the Bible is boring, you haven't read it. The Bible is filled with mystery, intrigue, killing, uh, sex, violence, uh, action. It, it's, it's, it's filled with all kinds of gory details, and this is one of those gory details. I don't want to be in the belly of a fish, but if I was in the belly of a fish, I'd just like to walk out instead of getting vomited out. You, you following me? I mean, but you know, it's, it's like kids. I, I mean, I know some of y'all, when y'all babies came out, y'all thought it was the most beautiful thing in the world. I got news for you. I've been in that room. There's an indelible sound stuck in my right ear. When that, when that bunch of goop hits that number 10 wash tub, after that baby comes out and that placenta hits the floor, <laughs> so, oh, that didn't happen in mine. Yes, it did. Oh, yes, it did. They put a number 10 wash tub right on the floor. And, and what goop wasn't stuck on your child? And then they cleaned that baby up. You know, personally, it's not my world, so I don't make the rules. It's God's world. He makes the rules. But, it, I mean, I love my kids. But why do they have to come out covered like that? That don't look kind at all. Clean that up. Jonah, <laughs> he's like, God, help me. 
All right, here's what we're going to do, Jonah. You're covering seaweed. You're dying. You, you finally tapped out. We're not going to let you walk out. We're going to have this fish just burp you out onto the side of the beach. Listen, there's a price to pay for being in the belly. And the longer you're in the belly, the more stink you come out with. We need to get out as quick as we can because God has his own plan. And this is how God got Jonah out. He said, then the Lord ordered the fish. When is then? It's after. It's after. Not on day one. Not on night one. Not on day two. Not on night two. Not on day three. Not on night three. It took Jonah just stiff neck. Just, I'm going to have my way. I'm going to do me. Uh, no, you're going to do seaweed. I'm going to keep it real. You're going to have vomit on you. That's what happens for real keeping folk. That you get stuck down there. But then the Lord moved on Jonah's behalf. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on to the beach. Then is always after. After Jonah tapped out. See, the Bible says God gives strength to the weary. That God strengthens those who faint. Sometimes you just need to fall out and say, God, I can't do this anymore. I just fall down right here, and I'm going I'm to need, need you right now. Until you're willing to do that, you're going to be drowning in the water. So belly dwellers, group one. Group two, you got friends and family in there. You need to start praising God by faith that God is going to vomit them up on the beach. You need to start praising God by faith that God has a way of deliverance for them. Group three. Group three is a really small group of people, but group three are people who see the trap for what it is, and they choose not to go there. They see the trap, see, mostly because they've been in it before. Mostly because they, they're tired of seeing their friends and family in that away from God position. Group three is a small group of people that are like, not me. We used to sing a song, I won't go back. I can't go back to the way it used to be. Well, not exactly. But how many, how many of y'all know that we try as hard as we can sometimes to go back? We shouldn't, but we do. We, 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 we learn these lessons, then we have to learn these lessons again. We learn these lessons, then we have to learn these lessons again. See, God is so much better of a parent than we are. He is not ever slipping. See, maybe, maybe mom just lets you get away with something every now and then because she just don't have the energy to get up and discipline you about that. She's just like, forget it. You're just going to be dumb your whole life. I'm, I, hand. God don't throw his hands up in the air and say, I'm not going to. No, God always has chastisement for disobedience. People in group three, they understand God is not to be played with because there's a fish out there with your name on it. There's some seaweed mask out there to choke you in. There's some vomit that you're going to have to deal with. Group three people are like, mm-mm, I am not going back to this place. They see the belly of the whale for what it is, and they decide they're not going back there because verse 2 says it's a place of affliction. Verse 3 says it's a place where you're drowning. Verse 4 says it's a place where you can't see God. And verse 5 says it's a place of total bondage. If we had the time this morning to get everybody to be honest, we would realize that there are people who are in a place of affliction right now. All you have to do is cry out to God in sincerity 
and let him get you out of that place. If we had time and honesty, we could see there are people that are drowning in life. Issues so encompassing them that they can't even breathe. We, we would see that there are people, just like verse 4 says, it's a place where you can't see God. There are people in this room right now that used to pray more than they do now because their prayer life, does, does, they know it's not connecting to God the way it used to be. You can't even feel God the way you used to. And verse 5 says it's a place of total bondage. If we had time and honesty in the room this morning, we would, we would get people to admit I'm in so much bondage right now, it's hindering me. I'm in so much bondage right now that it's keeping me from being the husband that I should be, the wife that I should be, the person that I should be, the Christian that I should be. See, verse 6 says that the belly is a, it's, it's like a prison. And everybody in this room who's saved need to see the belly of the well for what it is and decide I'm not going there. See, here's, here's the great news. You can get in all three groups today. But you can only stay in one for a present tense reality. You, if, you're, if, you're in the, if you're in the belly right now, if you're in a place where you don't see God as clear as you used to, you, you can come out of that. If, if you got friends and family that, that you're praying for, you can start praising God for them and help them get out of it. Or you, you can be in both those positions but decide, I'm, I'm going to be a group three Christian. I, I'm, I'm going to be a can't-go-back Christian. I, I, I already know that the world holds nothing for me. It's not worth it. I'm not doing it. I'm not called. See, here's what happens when Christians get saved. They, they realize how great it is to be in Christ. The, the, the peace on the inside, the joy on the inside, the newness of salvation. But then they start slipping back into their old ways, and they think, well, at least I ain't as bad as I used to be. You stink like seaweed, and you can't see God like you used to. You need to make a decision that says, I am not going back to that place. Stop falling for the trap. Whatever your trap is, we all have different triggers, but our enemy has a strategy. He knows what triggers you. Stop falling for it. You might have to make some adjustments. I'll give you an easy one. I've told, I've said it before, I'll tell you now. I don't go to the Jacksonville Fair. And I love the Jacksonville Fair. But I don't go to the Jacksonville Fair anymore. Why why do I love the, I don't ride those rides. Tug addicts putting those rides together today, tearing them down, putting them up in Tampa next week. No, some, some, some strung out carny who's running from the law. I ain't trusting him putting a ride together for me. I love the food. Oh, man. Sausage dogs, funnel cake. I'm in. That's all I need right there. I, mean, I walk down that food row and I'm like, man, just grilling stuff. But I had to make a decision as a Christian. I, I can't go back because every year I would go to the fair, I would end up getting in a physical fight as a Christian because somebody want to bump into me and act like it was my fault and bow up at me. And, you know, I had to decide. Either I need to be perfect and all the way delivered, or I just need to take some of my traps off my table. And I'm not all the way delivered. So I just have to realize I, I just don't need to go there. You know, I, you know, I, find, I, I go to Disney World, eat funnel cake. The people are nicer. You need to figure out what trap you keep falling into. Because some of y'all been in the belly a long time. 
Some of y'all get out and go back and get out and go back and get out and go back. And you need to figure out a way to stop that. Some of y'all, you got friends, family in there. You need to bring forth praise in front of their problems so they can get deliverance. Here's what I want us to do. Group one people, do what Jonah did. He broke down and he prayed to God for deliverance. False gods can't deliver you. You can't deliver yourself. See, that's, that's the lie of the devil. You think you can deliver yourself. You know, if you could quit doing what you're doing, you would already quit. I'm going to say it again. If you could quit doing what you're doing, you would have already quit. The drunk does not want to be a drunk. The drug addict does not want to be a drug addict. The, the, the mentally unstable person does not want to be mentally unstable. Through long series of disobedience in life has happened to put them in this position, and they keep thinking, you, you want to know when you're really a full-blooded, bona fide alcoholic or drug addict? When you let words come out of your mouth, I can stop whenever I want to. That's like, that's like hearing, a, hearing a white person say, oh, I have lots of black friends. That's, I mean, you just gave it all away. You just, you can't, you just admitted to the world that you are a full-blooded, redneck, clan card-carrying racist. And, and, and people understand that. People understand when people say those things, it's indicative of what's really in their heart. If you have ever said about yourself, well, I can quit anytime I want to. Oh, so you like tor torturing your family. You like failing. No, you don't. But you, you, you're lying to yourself thinking you can quit anytime you want to. If we could get better on our own, God wouldn't have sent Jesus. We need the Lord. We need the Lord. We need God to help us out of our mess. If you're in group one, you need to pray to the only God. There is the only God that can save, heal, and deliver you. The only God who cares about you. You need to pray and ask God to get you out of your mess. Group two people, I want to encourage you. Keep praising in advance. Let your, let your ears hear your mouth say, my God is working. My God is, I, I, I tell leadership all the time, God's always working. We may not see it. But God is always working. Some of y'all raised your children in, in, in Christ, in the ways of God, and, and, and they, they're, they're off on the wrong path right now. You need to understand that seed that you have sown in them is going to take root, and it's going to blossom one day, and it's going to be what God said it's going to be. You need to believe for your people. You need to believe for your family. You need to believe for your friends. You need to, listen, we, we need to be people like them, like them four dudes that carried their friend on a stretcher, cut a hole in the roof, and lowered him down. They did all the work. They, they were willing to do all the work so their friend could get the healing that he needs, and we sit back, and we let our children go over to the devil's way we let our family be stuck in addiction heartache and brokenness and we won't do the work on their behalf we need to work on their behalf get your praise ratcheted up get your faith ratcheted up get your belief system let your ears hear your mouth say it may not look good right now but I know my God is working I know my God is true and my God is real and you need to praise him like it's already happened that's what faith does group three I want to encourage every real believer this morning to make a decision getting group three if you've been saved for any length of time 
you know that you fell. You did something. See, I had a pastor who say all the time, backsliding doesn't have to be going out on a bender. Backsliding doesn't have to be drunkenness and rebellion. Backsliding doesn't have to be cursing and wayward living. If you've ever loved God more than you love Him right now, you've slidden back. And everyone who's a real Christian has had that time in their life. And they come to a place in their life where they realize it's so much better with God. Why do I keep going back? It's so much better with God. Tell yourself that constantly. Remind yourself that constantly. See, the people who wandered in the wilderness in the Old Testament, God's people who faced so much struggle, it wasn't anything new they needed to learn. They knew the truth. They just kept forgetting. They didn't keep the truth in the forefront of their mind. They didn't remind themselves on a daily basis, God's way is best. God loves me. God's on my side. And they let themselves go back the wrong way. Every real Christian ought to decide today, that, that belly's not for me. That place of disappointment of my Heavenly Father, it's not for me. I need to be in, in a place where I'm not going there so I can be praising for my friends and family, so I can be by faith standing for my friends and family. You need to be that group three person. There's one last group of people that I didn't talk about because this is a message about believers. There's some unbelievers in this room, some people who've never truly been saved. There are people in this room who have prayed to be saved a dozen times. There are people in this room, if I gave an invitation right now and said, if you really want to get saved today, they'd come and get saved today. But probably wouldn't be any different than them coming to get saved three months ago or six months ago. Because it's not in walking an aisle or praying a prayer that gets you salvation. It's when you truly seek God with everything that you have. See, I used to have people ask me, Pastor, why does it work for some people and it doesn't work for other people? Why, how can one person walk down the aisle, pray to get saved, and it, it God changed their whole life, but I've walked out five times and, and I'm still in my struggle? Because you need to do it one more time. But you need to get it right. Getting it wrong is not the way to do it. Look over here. I want you to make sure today. Everybody look over here. I want you to make sure today that you have real salvation. I want you, I so want you to make sure you have real salvation. I am not going to ask you to come down in front of anybody and, and get caught up in some emotional drive right now. God said if you confess your sins to him, he will hear you. God says if you will call on him, he will save you. See, we all need to call on the Lord, no matter what group we're in. But if you're here and you're not saved, I got great news for you today. If you will ask God to save you and you will mean it and be sincere and you will determine to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, God will save you. And you can jump right into group three. You can jump right into group three and say, I want to be on the good side of this thing my whole life. Some of you remember what it used to be like when you were happy in Christ. Before you got tired, before you got bitter, before you got backslidden. Go back to God. Go back to God. Cry out to God. Pastor, he's tired of hearing me. No, the Bible says he never gets tired. God's not tired of you. Go back to God. You, know, you say, Pastor, I prayed to ask God to forgive me a thousand times for the same thing. He never gets tired of you. His mercy is everlasting. 
He, he's quick to forgive, the Bible says. He's ready to pardon, the Scripture tells us. If you are not where you need to be today, I want to give you great news. All you have to do is ask God to help you. Jonah said, I cried out to God in my great trouble, and he heard me. Jonah got out of his fish. I want you to get out of your fish. I want you to be praying for your family and friends that they get out of their fish. And let's be the people that God wants us to be. Pray with me. God, thank you for these examples, Lord. Thank you for your word. Father, I pray for every lost person in this room right now, God. I pray that you would save them for your glory. God, I pray that for anyone here who doesn't have true salvation, Lord, that you would let them today come to know you in a very real way. Lord, many people are stuck in their fish, stuck in their rebellion, stuck in struggle, addiction, disobedience. God, I pray that today would be their then moment. Today would be their time when they call to you out of their struggle and you heal them for your glory. God, your word tells us that you do these things for your own purpose. And you will be glorified in all the earth. God, I pray you be glorified in someone's life in this room today. God, I pray you be glorified in our lives through our decision to follow you. We confess that you are the one and true God. We confess that there is no other way than your son's sacrifice on Calvary. We confess that you're right and we're wrong and that your way is always better. God, I pray that you would help us to stop falling for traps. And I pray that you would help people that are in traps to get out of them. For your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.